Thank you for joining us today, Andrew. Could you please give us a little bit of background on yourself? Sure. Yeah, my name is Andrew Lovewell. I'm the administrator at the Surgery Center at Clinton Orthopedic Group here in Columbia, Missouri. Um, prior to that, I was a physician department administrator for a large uh, medical school in central Illinois um, for a pretty busy uh, surgery practice there. Then worked uh, previously in various roles in hospital leadership and administration for a few years. Um, mainly background is in finance and administration and leadership with a flair for uh, various things all over the health system. Well, we're really excited to have you here. Before we jump into the rest of my question, could you tell us a little bit about where your practice is today, where your center is, and what's really changed since the pandemic began? Yeah, sure. So today, I would say, you know, as practice, we're probably at 80% occupancy. Um, you know, we kind of ceased operations here or limited our surgeries to urgent elective and um, kind of essential surgeries starting in April and were pretty well shut down for the entire month of April, you know, beginning portion of May, and have slowly returned back um, with ramp-ups throughout May and now into June. Um, and, you know, today we're, we're right at 80%, um, I would say. You know, I think that there's still a full amount of opportunity there for us to expand back into our 100% capacity. Uh, you know, I think that social distancing and a lot of the precautions that are being carried out here in the state of Missouri have kind of limited, uh, you know, our capability. Um, but, you know, for some somewhat of a, a normal day here on Friday, we're kind of ramping back up. Got it. That's good to hear. And where do you see the ASC headed in the next 18 to 24 months? What do you think will be different and what do you think will be the same? You know, I think... You know, what would be the same as right now in the next 18 to 24 months, I think we're going to continue to see a lot of the same precautions that we have now. Um, you know, I think we're going to see more emphasis on social distancing, more cleaning in the waiting room, six feet of separation all the time. I think masks will continue to be pretty relevant in the future. I don't see us transitioning out of, you know, surgical N95 masks in our operating suites or in our patient care areas at any point in time. In the near future, you know, I think as time evolves in the next 18 to 24 months, we're going to probably see, at least in the orthopedics and spine world, a um, not a heavier migration, but I think we're going to see a more focused migration of appropriate patients into outpatient settings to lower the likelihood of, you know, patients being exposed to possible COVID facilities or hospitals. Um, so I think we're going to see a continued spike and, and push to move everything into the outpatient arena. That makes sense. And I know there's been some talk about other surges of COVID-19 going through the country later this year. Are there any preparations that you're making for a potential second surge of, uh, of COVID in your community, and how would that affect the field? Yeah, I think for us, you know, we've, we've looked at this um, kind of as, as scientists and said, you know, listen, this is potentially something that can come back. And, you know, if it does come back, what do we do differently? And, and for us, we're saying, well, we want to be prepared. And, you know, we won't want to get into a situation where we're shutting down because we don't have, you know, N95s or we don't have appropriate PPE in place. So, you know, we've adjusted our preparedness plan here. Uh, we've implemented a lot of new policies for new and emerging respiratory illnesses. You know, we've adjusted our cleaning policies and our 
break room, in our waiting room, you know, in, in areas where we traditionally wouldn't see a, you know, heavy terminal cleaning. And, you know, we've, we've allowed some more air exchanges in our OR. We've increased our filtration changes of our air conditioning. It's little things that, that go the, you know, the extra mile to add safety. Uh, I think that you know, the effect of this in the field is going to just continue to be, it's going to be a huge ripple effect for, I think, a few years to come. I think hospitals are going to have to learn to be uh, quick evolvers and learn how to pivot quickly uh, to make sure that, you know, we don't shut everything down again because that's very detrimental to, you know, the medical economy and detrimental to our patients because we had a lot of patients that were on the schedule and then all of a sudden, you know, their surgery's canceled and they still have pain and they're still calling. And, you know, I think we're going to see that some of the quick precautions that we put in place at our facility at least we're going to be long lasting down the road um, to get us up and going quickly and safely to provide the patient care that, you know, that our patients need. And I know, as you just mentioned, there's been a lot of discussion about what is essential surgery and then what could be postponed. I know a lot of things that were postponed initially over the past few months, you know, there are patients that are coming back with even worse challenges because of it. How do you anticipate um, this discussion on essential surgeries really affecting orthopedic and spine going forward? Yeah, I think you're right. You know, the age-old question becomes that you see here is what is essential surgery? And I think that definition has been used differently and it's been widespread across the country and in various places. So, you know, I think we're going to continue to see where, you know, being conservative and treating patients conservatively during this time may have resulted in, you know, some more detrimental delays or detrimental effects of our patients. You know, we do a lot of spine surgery. We do a lot of total joint surgery here in the outpatient world. And I think we were very conscientious and said, well, we don't want to delay surgery that is going to result in a lesser quality of life for our patients. And we, we frankly didn't. We did it safely and used precautions in place that made sure that patients were treated appropriately um, in the facility. And, you know, I think that some places that completely shut down, I think that they saw, wow, you know, there are patients that may have been on the list to have a spine surgery done and, you know, it resulted in a, a detrimental, you know, a foot drop, for example, that might not ever go away now and that person might have a disability or, you know, they might affect their quality of life. So I think I think we're going to see where the definition of essential surgery may get broadened a little bit, um, but I do anticipate the discussion taking, taking off, especially in the, you know, the boards across the country for spine surgery and joint surgery and sports medicine and all over um, to make sure that there's a little bit more clear pathway in the future that is more defensible. Got it. And then on the technology side of things, what do you think really will be essential going forward, especially for orthopedics and spine, um, given your role, what do you see yourself continuing to invest in going forward? I think for us, you know, the big thing that we were making a push towards was telehealth and engaging patients remotely and, and where they are, which, you know, is on the smartphone, it's, it's you know, out on the Internet, it's, it's, it's being present where people are at. And I think for us, we just found that the challenge was finding the time to invest in the energy to get telehealth up and going. And then, you know, with COVID, we were like, oh, wow, you're never going to get an opportunity like this. So I know our physicians have transitioned a tremendous amount of patients that are appropriate into the telehealth world. 
Um, we've also done the same thing on the follow-up world. So we have nurse navigators here who follow patients after surgery for a year, and we've, into, uh, we've implemented a lot of telehealth protocols with checking in to see how patients are doing, you know, show me your dressing, let's talk about that. Let's make sure you're getting to, you know, rehab. You know, a lot of rehab places shut down during COVID. So let's let's log in and get on a telehealth and, you know, see face-to-face in a secure platform where, you know, we can talk about those things, we can see those things, we can help you recover at home still when you're quarantined with technology. And I think for us, we, we've just said, wow, this is a huge piece of, you know, huge piece of opportunity here. We just need to continue to dive deeper into it. So, you know, we've we've implemented a lot of protocols here for let's do a telehealth drop-in with a patient after their surgery to make sure everything's going well. Let's do another telehealth drop-in at 30 days to make sure they don't have any questions. So I think, I think that's going to continue to be the trend, and we're going to see a lot of, you know, push, I think, in remote patient monitoring as well to where we see, okay, let's let's monitor these patients at home to where they're getting the best outcomes they have. You know, there's going to be a lot of movement and patient engagement platforms to assure that when something like this does happen again, that there are things in place to make sure that nothing slips through the cracks with these patients to where their outcomes aren't affected. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And the final question I have before we wrap up here is what do you think innovation in orthopedics and spine will look like in the future? You know, I'm going to be honest. I think that's that's a huge question. It could even be its own own topic or podcast. Um, you know, I think that you're and we are going to continue to see innovation, especially in the outpatient and ambulatory and private world, thrive. And we're going to see a lot of migration of appropriate patients into outpatient surgery. And I think, you know, COVID probably escalated that because there are some practices around the country that might not have been doing as much outpatient surgery as they they possibly could have, and they didn't know it. So I think you're going to see a lot of practices who ramp up their capabilities to do outpatient surgery. And, and this may have just been the, the domino that pushed things over the edge. And, you know, I think for us, we we were fortunate enough. We've been doing outpatient spine and outpatient joint surgery for years. And, you know, we just kind of said, it's the new norm. Everyone is going to make a push to it. We're already there. We're just going to dive deeper into it, invest more into making sure that we engage patients prior to surgery to maximize their outcome opportunity, make sure that we, you know, prepare them for the day of surgery, you know, prior to, um, especially the night before and get their home ready and everything like that. And, you know, I think we're going to just continue to see there's going to be a huge push for delivering value to patients in a way that we haven't seen before, I think. You know, is that going to happen as rapidly as some people would want it to? Probably not. Is it going to happen, um, you know, a year, two, three years from now? Yeah, I think so. I think I think the future of orthopedics and spine is extremely bright and it's extremely focused in the outpatient arena. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to speak with you, and I look forward to connecting again in the future. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me.